So we are on this journey together, this prayer journey over, the, over a 40-day period of time where we're leading up to, to Palm Sunday, the Sunday before Easter, and we will uh, we'll continue on this, this journey, and it's all based on the idea of praying, praying for revival in our own hearts, praying for the people that we come in contact with on the journey, and it's kind of cool because if you think about it, the people sitting around you are a part of your journey. I mean, the, you, you're here, and you've come in contact with them. Maybe you come in contact with each other at different places. I, a lot of times I'll see people at the YMCA, or I'll see them at the coffee shop. I ran into uh, just a fascinating uh, gentleman at the uh, Outlaw Cigar Shop. Yes, I was at the Outlaw, but I did not inhale while I was in there. I promise. I went in, I held my breath the whole time while I was there. And, and I met this guy, now he's, on, he's part of my journey, and it's really, it's a love how, how God does that, and brings people into our lives in all kinds of incredible, incredible ways. And so, we're going to uh, continue along this idea with this thought of, the last few weeks we looked at how, when we experience revival, when God starts to work in our own hearts, how that affects us, and then how that it prepares us for the people that we come in contact with. And we started that idea last week, this, this thought of there's people all around us in need of an awakening. Can you agree that there's people we come in contact with all around us that need to experience a wake-up call in their life? Which, when that wake-up call then happens, it brings about transformation in their life. I don't know how many years ago it was, I was asked to go and speak at a, a chapel service for a little Christian school in Avondale, with a little town there, North Kansas City Hospital, and a very uh, close friend of mine, she, they asked me to come and speak, and I went there, and I, I got done speaking, and at the end of my time, a young lady came up to me, she's like, oh, Brady, I almost forgot, I had this dream about you. I was like, oh, that's, that's fascinating, what was it about? She goes, well, I had this dream that it was you and your wife and you were going door to door, knocking on the doors, telling people, it's time to wake up. You've got to wake up. Come on, wake up. And people were rising up out of their beds, kind of like it was before zombies were popular. It was zombies coming, coming to the door, and you were telling them, it's time to wake up. It's time to wake up. And she kind of got the thought that it was a place sort of like Belomondo Apartments, which are now, uh, uh, what's it called now? I drive by it all the time. Woodlands. Is, no? Woodland Trace, that's right. So, so it's, it used to be called Belomondo Apartments. And I drive through there all the time. And she goes, I kind of felt like it was there. And you were going door to door telling people to wake up. She goes, and then she got this picture that, that Satan was on an elevator. And he was going up and down from floor to floor. And he couldn't get off the elevator. He was getting mad. He was getting angry. He getting more angry. Every time he, he just kept pushing the button and the door would not open. Like God was restraining him as we were going door to door telling people to wake up. That, that moved me, obviously. That was, and it wasn't, I don't know how many years later, we were actually in those apartment complex, going door to door, knocking and telling people, hey, we got this evangelism thing or this thing we're doing, like a, a thing for kids down at the end of the street. We'd love for you to come. And some people did come and we did a drama and shared the gospel. It was pretty powerful. But I think it's a bigger picture of this idea as, and we'll unpack this a little bit as we, as we spend time together this morning, is this idea that we as already convinced, for those of us who've experienced revival in our own hearts, 
we have been given this ministry, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians, a ministry of reconciliation. Like we've been given the message of hope and we are the ones supposed to go out and carry it out to those who need to hear it, right? We need to hear about that kind of hope. And so I believe what that scripture says is true, that God is making his appeal to the world through us. Like we are his advertisement. We are it. There is no plan B. We are it. And God is saying, I'm making my appeal to the earth through the people who have already experienced me, who already know what it's like to be awake, who already knows what it's like, know what it's like to be transformed from something, to be set free from something, so that we can go tell other people how to find that freedom too. And that's who we come in contact with every day of our lives. People are asleep, sometimes physically. <laughs> Most of the time it's spiritually, right? They're asleep, and they don't, they don't know. Maybe they've never heard. Right here in America, people have never heard the good news of Jesus Christ. I know it's hard to believe. I heard a story once that some people were going door to door down in Texas, down in the Bible Belt. Speaking of Texas, Arthur is back from Texas. Everybody say hi, Arthur. Woohoo! We're excited. Arthur's going to sing a song for us here in just a little while. Kind of a testimony how God woke him up. And go door to door, and they knocked on this lady's door. Beautiful home, just, you know, suburbs of America. And she had never heard the good news of Jesus Christ before. I mean, she maybe knew about Jesus, but she had never heard that Jesus loved her the way that we experience his love. And, and to me, that's just amazing. Sometimes we go all, all over the world and go to different places and remote villages, and you think, well, that, those people have never heard about Jesus. Yes, but right here in America, right here in Platte City, I promise you there are some people who, who need to hear, right, the good news of Jesus Christ. So along this journey and through the prayer guide, I've been using this prayer guide as kind of my, my uh, help for my text, we are to call people to wake up and come to a, a genuine repentance, okay, which means it's just a turning, turning away from, coming a, going a different direction. I want you to turn in your Bible to 2 Peter chapter 3. Speaking of Peter, my young friend Peter is back this morning, so excited. Hey, Peter, missed you, man. So 2 Peter chapter 3. Chapter 3, verse, let's just start at verse number 8. So we're talking about this idea of, of calling people to a, to a time to repent, to turn, and to, to follow Jesus. Verse 8 says, But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. But he is patient with you not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear like a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. It says, since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day and speed its coming. God is patient, amen? He's patient with us. He's patient with his people that we come in contact with every day. But here's the deal. It's someday it's going to be over. We might not have a whole lot of time left. We don't, we don't know that. And so because of that, how should we live? What kind of people should we be, it says? We live holy and godly lives. As we look forward to the day, 
that Jesus comes back, but we don't, we don't wait in paralysis. We don't wait and say, okay, Jesus, come anytime. Jesus said, no, I got things for you to do. I got people for you to meet and see and come in contact with. Help them wake up. They can help you wake up too. Let's do this thing together. But he wants everyone to come to a place of repentance. Do you believe that how you live, do you believe that it matters? It does matter. It does. It matters a lot. How we love matters. How we love the Lord and how we love each other has an impact on those around us. We also, along this journey, we pray for God to draw people to himself with persistent love. Just draw people to himself so that then as his people we get to display his incredible mercy. I love in the prayer guide it says, God's mercy is a -a one-of-a-kind, perfectly timed stroke of kindness. And that when people cry out, God acts. He acts on our behalf, on their behalf. Has, has God acted on your behalf at some time in your life when you needed one of those perfectly timed stroke of kindness in your life? Yes, absolutely. I, I hope so. I, I know it's true in my life. There's been plenty of times where I've had to cry out and God just at, the right, just at the right time. Not necessarily in our time, right? Because our time's different. And we know God's time is different because the day is like a thousand years to him. So we might not get the timing of it, but in just the right time, he shows up. We need to pray for people to come to their senses, to run back to the Lord. And when people come to their senses, they run back to the Lord. How should we approach them? How should we treat them as the church? Well, the prodigal son story gives us kind of an example of that in Luke chapter 15. We won't turn there, but it's just homework for you. If you want to see that it's true, just look at Luke chapter 15. But in the prodigal son's story, it says that the young man went away, he squandered all that he had, and he got to the place where there's a famine in the land. He was hungry enough to want to eat the food of the pigs that he was feeding. And it says when he came to his senses, he got up and he went home. And how did his father treat him? His father displayed mercy and grace. How are we as the church, as examples of Jesus here on the earth, to treat others who are coming back to him, people who come to a place of repentance and they say, I I was lost, but now I'm found. You know, will you love me? And the Bible says the father ran to his son, unheard of in that culture, ran to his son and displayed mercy. Do you know mercy is when you don't get what what you deserve? Think about it. When you don't get what you deserve, that's mercy. Kids, have your parents ever given you mercy? You didn't get what you deserved? And you're like, yeah, but there's some times I got what I deserved. That's okay, because that's called justice, all right? Sometimes you need that too. (laughs) Justice kind of is a double-edged sword. Sometimes when you get what you deserve, it's a great thing. Sometimes when you get what you deserve, it hurts. And another thing is is that the Father uh, displayed such incredible grace, because grace is when you... You do get what you don't deserve. Have you ever experienced that in your life where you get what you didn't deserve? And does that affect you? Think about that. That that more than any other thought in Scripture, when I get what I don't deserve, it it causes me to want to, to just serve more and to love more. That's grace. There are so many people that we come in contact with 
I believe, every day of our lives that are completely unaware of God's boundless compassion. They don't know how fiercely loyal his love is. Maybe even this morning you sit here and you you have yet to really comprehend how incredible his love is. Like, overwhelmed by it. I mean, that is, that is his, he is love. I mean, that's what scripture says. That's, that's who he is. That's, that's how he demonstrates himself to us. So I want to just pray, just, just for this right now. Let's just bow our heads and let's pray together as a church. God, right now, in this, in this community, maybe, maybe just right here in this place, there are people who have yet to really, truly comprehend how incredibly in love with them that, that you are, God. They just don't see it. They don't see it maybe because of their past or just experiences for whatever reason. Lord, in this school, as we sit here in this school, we pray for students who walk the hallways that don't know your love. I saw this banner earlier in the school hallway, God, where it says that we're, we're a family and we're a class and we're all together. You know, I'm sure there's so many kids that don't feel that way here. But God, there is a family that is waiting for them. It's your family. God, there's people we come in contact with in our community that just don't know it yet, that you have demonstrated your love for them. You don't just talk about it, God. You, you act on our behalf. God, would we be a place would we be the church, part of the overall, the big church here in, in this community, that we would display that kind of grace and mercy and that kind of love for those who need it? God, put us around people who need it and then help us not to hold back. Help us to, to, to lavish it upon them the way you lavish your grace upon us. Help us to be that way, God. We just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Turn your Bible to Psalm 107. We'll spend a little bit of time there this morning. Psalm 107. It's about, just uh, divide your Bible into half and you're pretty close. It's a good way to find it. Psalm 107. You got it? Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say this. Those he redeemed from the hand of the foe, those he gathered from the lands, from the east and the west, from north and the south, says some have wandered in the desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty, and their lives ebbed away and they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress it says he led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men for he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things do you know this morning that in this scripture we find Jesus for one, Jesus is the straight way that leads to a place that where we can settle. And he has a plan for you and me. He has a place. Matter of fact, Scripture says he's gone away to prepare a place. 
And it says he'll come back someday and take us to that place that he's preparing for us, right? And that's good news for you and me, all right? And so, okay, Lord, okay, we know you got a place prepared for us. We're ready for that day. And in the meantime, we're still here, (laughs) and we still need to be satisfied. I love it where in John chapter 6 and John chapter 7, Jesus stands up at two different places. He says, I am the one who satisfies. I am bread from heaven. You You eat from me, you'll never be hungry truly hungry again he says i am the the living water he says you drink from me you'll never be thirsty again matter of fact i'll cause streams of living water to flow out of you and if they're going to flow out of us where are they going to go right we're just going to store them up in our own cistern so we can keep them to ourselves no absolutely not right we want to be able to give that that this drink away to those who are thirsty who are Still living in a dry and dreary land. You know, we want to be those kind of people. That was pretty fascinating to me that this, this gentleman that I met at the, the cigar shop the other day, it's just so, so amazing to me that we entered into this conversation and we, we got to talking about this particular subject. And I think the reality is, is that there are so many people who are just unaware that they are spiritually thirsty. Their hunger and their thirst is for spiritual things, but they just, they, they're unaware because they're trying to satisfy themselves with other things, right? He, he used this illustration in, in the, and he wrote this book uh, called Broken Chains. And in this book, he uses this illustration about how God provides for us this, I want you to get this picture if you could. I wish there's a way I had this illustration up here on the stage, but get this picture of, of this, um, this, this artesian well where God provides this, this water for us to drink. Have you ever been really thirsty? I mean, just re- like to the point of being dehydrated and you just, I just want a drink. And sometimes maybe the problem is, is we get really thirsty and we, we settle for other things other than what God has in store for us. But, but I believe God has this incredible well to drink from. We can drink deep from it and be completely satisfied. But, and maybe in our own lives we've experienced this and maybe we know people who are maybe living there now. But instead of taking what God has offered us and drinking deep from this well that is good for us, that'll give us life, we trade it in for a bird bath in our yard. With a little bit of water in it that the birds have been in. Can you get the vision? Can you get the visual now? Birds are dirty, you know. And they're in it. They're washing themselves. And they're leaving behind things that they should have taken with them, you know. And it's got this little layer of moss on the bottom of it. It's just not healthy. But isn't it so true that people settle for that? All the time, every single day of their lives, they settle for that, and they're deceived in thinking this is the best thing for them. Or somehow we see it as, we see it as the artesian well that the world offers us, but when we drink from it, we realize it makes us sick. And there's so many people that we come in contact with that are, that are drinking from that, and they're making themselves sick, and they, or they're not even aware of it. That is another vision as I was thinking about that like maybe there's someone, people who maybe go, go to Panera instead of going in and sitting down and ordering from the, from the menu, they instead go behind the restaurant and they climb into the dumpster. 
Well, I'll just get some bread from there. We have to, we have to pray that people's eyes will be opened. That they'll see that this is not going to satisfy me. There's something better. But you know, as I think about it being human, there's a moment of just transparency for you as a pastor. There are times, I know this truth, but why is it there's something that draws me back to the dumpster? And the enemy's good, isn't he? He deceives us so incredibly well that we think the dumpster's better. Maybe at least in the dumpster, people won't really see me because I can hide there. But if I'm in the restaurant and sitting there, people, they can see me. They might know, they might want to know, they might want to ask some questions and I might not have to be honest with them. But if I can just hide myself there. Psalm 107, verse 20, or verse 17. So some became fools through their rebellious ways and they suffered affliction because of their iniquities. They loathed all food and they drew near the gates of death. They said no to the table in the restaurant and said yes to this other thing. And then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he saved them from their distress. He sent forth his word and healed them and he rescued them from the grave. So many people that need to be rescued. And we can help them. We can be the ones that maybe go to them and say, you know what, there's something better for you. Matter of fact, there's a place at the table right next to me. And I want you to come and sit here. Isaiah talks about they come and they drink and they have food that they don't have to pay for because it's already been paid for, right? The bill's already been paid. It's a powerful thought. There's a prayer from day 17. I'm gonna use, just gonna use this as a prayer right now. It says, Mighty Messiah, you died to break the dominion of evil and you ascended to liberate its captives. And you alone are crowned with power over every enemy. Now extend the scepter of your authority over our communities. Break the grip of demonic powers that hold people in their sin. Because they're prisoners of spiritual war to hear your word. It says, cause these prisoners of spiritual war to hear your word and rise to follow you. So Father, wake them up. Release them to be a generation of newly redeemed worshipers, radiant in fresh holiness, like dew in the light of dawn. Amen. The reason I, I prayed that prayer, because, you know, there is a battle. It's real. There is an enemy. But it's not flesh and blood. It's not people. The enemy is not the people around you. Sometimes as spouses, we need to remember that, right? <laughs> that we look at our wives or our husbands and say, there is an enemy but you're not it. <laughs> or you may be able to say there is an enemy, enemy but I'm not it, all right? There is, a, there is a force that we need to pray against, and it's real. But Jesus comes to set people free from that, right? 
Mark chapter 5 has a great story about a guy that was possessed by demons and Jesus interacts with him. Jesus sets him free. And then he tells, you know what he tells the man? The man wants to go with Jesus. Man, I just want to just be with Jesus. But he says, no, I want you to go and tell your friends and your family all that I have done for you. Go and tell them about the mercy. Tell them about the table that I have prepared for them so that they can come and eat too, right? So that's what the man does. And that's what he calls us to do. Because when you, when you get set free, you know what the natural response of that is? It's praise. When you finally decide to quit drinking from, from the birdbath and go to the well, when you get tired of eating from the dumpster and you go to the table, you want to tell everybody, you can't believe this. You've got to come and see this for yourself and then eat it and enjoy it for yourself. Because he wants to set you free too. Praise is the natural response to a redeemed life. That's what happens. I want to read this, Pat. Arthur, go ahead and come on up. And Arthur's going to share a song with us. But I want to read from Isaiah chapter 12, this idea of, of praise because of redeemed life. Listen, to, you just listen to these words. In that day you will say, I will praise you, O Lord. Although you were angry with me and your anger has turned away, it says your anger has turned away and you have comforted me. Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. With joy, it says, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Oh, I love that thought. In that day, you will say, give thanks to the Lord. Call on his name. Make known among the nations what he has done. And proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing to the Lord, for he has done glorious things. Let this be known to all the world. Shout aloud and sing for joy, people of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel among you. So I've asked Arthur to come and sing because of his glory. Struggle's real. God gave me a song while, while I was in prison. It's kind of a testimonial kind of song. was living a life all wrong, trapped on a sinful one-way road. Burning every single bridge I passed, leaving no welcome place to go. From the shadow a stranger came, claiming that we're lost friends. He said, you've been living your life all wrong, living life in sin. to say or do or even talk to this man he started telling me some stories I knew and even why I ran I was shocked at the words I heard coming out of his mouth 
How could he know anything at all if I've never seen him around? Don't you ever let me go Give me your shame and all your hate You don't have to hurt no more I've been right there through it all Giving you my hand And just so you know you've known me all along I am the mighty God I am Mighty God I am Somebody. If you don't, I will. Amen. That's what transformation sounds like. So what does it look like? We'll finish our time right here. Look at Isaiah chapter 61. So when people are set free, when their chains of addiction are broken, when, when people finally find freedom they finally stop eating from what the world offers them and they start receiving all that God has for them. It looks differently. Our lives look differently. Now I realize it's a process. I know it's not like overnight. We wish it was, right? And there are times though God does set people free immediately from certain things and that's pretty incredible. But a lot of times it's like the years it took us to get into that mess, it takes about that same amount of time <laughs> to get out of it. There's a difference in the way it looks. And listen to what it says in Isaiah chapter 61. It's a prophecy of, of, about Jesus and what Jesus was coming to accomplish in the earth. This mighty God, the I am, the Jesus who was coming to earth. It says in Isaiah 61, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners 
It says, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor in the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. And provide for those who grieve in Zion. It says, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. The oil of gladness instead of mourning. A garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. He wants to replace these things, right? A table in the restaurant instead of a place in the dumpster. It's the promise that he makes for us. Then it says they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for a display of his splendor. And that's the thing I want you to take with you this morning is that when transformation occurs in our life, it is for a display of God's splendor, for them to see him in you and through you so that people can say, man, he used to be this way, but now he's this way. Only God could have done that, right? The, the man who was possessed by demons, Jesus sets him free. He says, go and display my splendor to everybody that you come in contact with so that they can know I can heal them too, right? Same thing for Arthur. Same thing for me. And the same thing for you. In this community, in the places that we go, God is bringing transformation supernaturally and then pretty naturally through you and me. I heard a lady earlier this week, she said, man, God works in mysterious ways, you know, but sometimes God works in so obvious ways, we can't miss it. And we shouldn't miss it. So I want to just pray for you this morning as we finish up our time. So Lord, right now, right here in this place, got to pray for, I pray for transformation to come in the hearts of those that are here. I don't assume that everyone knows your love, Lord. I don't assume that, that everybody here has left the dumpster. But God, you give us an invitation to the table. And you want to set us free. You want us to wake up. You want to break chains in our life. Ultimately, yeah, so that we can be free and not have to struggle any longer with some of these things. But ultimately, so that you can display in us the very splendor of you. God, I know we don't feel worthy of that. We don't deserve it. And that's why your grace is so amazing. We don't deserve the, the ring and the sandals and the robe and the celebration that you gave the prodigal son when he came home. But God, that's what you offer to every one of us. And that's what you're offering to those that we come in contact with every single day. God, give us courage to maybe speak out on your behalf. To not be afraid to share our own story of transformation so that it could inspire others Come and drink from the well that you offer them. So open our eyes today. Open the eyes of the people that you place around us. And let us see transformation in a way that we've never seen it before. And it won't happen, God, it won't happen unless we cry out for it. And so here we are crying out for it. 
And I pray for stories and testimonies that will come as a result of thousands, maybe millions of people praying the same prayer today all around the world. Let us experience the mighty God that you are. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Here's the invitation for you today. Love on somebody around you before you leave. <laughs> you know, just visit with people. Um, Phil eventually kicks us out of here around noon, so we got some time. Uh, but just get to know someone maybe and just visit. Uh, I think there's some Oreo balls left. I'm going to rush out there and grab one real quick before you get there. No. But just enjoy being together in his presence. Say hi to Arthur. Say just hi to someone you haven't seen for a while. And next week, next week, the other Brady will be speaking about how we can bring transformation to other cultures, other people, and he'll, he'll, he'll bring an incredible message. I want you to be praying for my wife and I. We're going to a marriage retreat here. It's in Kansas City. And, uh, but it's, it's a weekend. It'll be the first weekend that I've missed since we planted this church. And I'll promise you, I'll struggle with that a little bit. Because, like, you're my kids, you know, and I'll miss you. But Brady will speak a powerful word and pray for, for Trisha and I just to be renewed and just to be uh, drawn together because... Because even in doing good things, the enemy works, right? And we want, us, want our marriage to be strong. So I do appreciate you guys praying for me in that. And uh, so come back, support. Just, just say, hey, Brady's preaching on Sunday. So just show up because Brady will be preaching on Sunday. All right, bless you guys. Enjoy.